In Seoul, South Korea, the home of LG and Samsung, 5G has now become a reality. This small Asian country was the first in the world to deploy the latest generation mobile network in 2019. Koreans can already purchase compatible phones. By the end of January, the data being exchanged through 5G already represented 21% of the total data traffic in the country, according to the telecommunication news site Light Reading. In his show, Why It Matters, journalist Joshua Lim from the Singaporean network CNA took us on a visit to the Jamsil Stadium. That's where Seoul's baseball team, the Bears, play. The stadium's digital equipment has been completely redesigned since the arrival of 5G. Around 60 cameras now capture everything that happens in the field at the same time. Thanks to 5G, supporters can choose their viewing angle in real time on their phones. Joshua Lim also showed us the U-Plus AR application, which teaches you how to dance like a K-pop star thanks to a virtual reality coach. So, is this what a 5G-connected world looks like? More entertainment, more screens, more virtual reality? Orange presents The Memo. Hello, Chloe. Hi, Joe. Reports about 5G over 2019 and even in recent weeks have shown it to be a complex geopolitical issue, a network that has fueled tensions between the world's superpowers. In this episode, we're going to try and understand why. What is it that distinguishes 5G from previous generations of telecommunication standards? And why is it being talked about as such a revolution? So, Chloe, we've already seen how in Seoul they've mainly been applying these services for entertainment, but I imagine that's not the only domain. No, of course not. If there is talk about a revolution, it's mostly because 5G allows us to develop radically different uses from what we know today. You can't really compare the 4G-5G transition to the move from 3G to 4G. To understand it, the CNA report takes us a few kilometers outside Seoul to K-City. A city center with shop fronts, a motorway, residential areas with curving streets. Here, the Korean Transport Authority, or KATSA, has built 320,000 square meters of artificial city to test self-driving cars. The area has recently been given a 5G network. Nam Bak is the research director of the site. He explains that autonomous cars will have to share quantities of extremely important data. That means exchanging them with their environment, but also with other vehicles. So the whole point of 5G is that it will allow data to be transmitted faster. Actually, there are three great strengths. Those are the speed of data transmission, latency reduction, which we will come back to, and the possibility of adapting the network's data quality for different uses. That's known as slicing. Let's talk about speed first. According to Justin Dennison, the Samsung vice president speaking to the New York Times, instead of downloading a season of your favorite series the night before your flight, you could now do it in mere seconds in the departure lounge. Belgian daily newspaper Le Coup has created an interactive page to compare the speed difference between 3, 4, and 5G for various uses. To download an episode of Stranger Things, for instance, it's 1.7 seconds with 5G, 39 seconds with 4G, compared to 3.8 minutes in 3G. So you also talked about latency delay. What's that? Is it different from speed? Yes. You know how when you launch an application, you have to wait a little while before using it. Because the signal is being transferred from one piece of equipment to another, it's not always super reliable. 5G has been designed to reduce this time to one millisecond. That's almost instantaneous. Frederick Jedling, an executive at Ericsson, explained to us that it's an absolutely necessary condition for remote surgical procedures. 
And if we go back to self-driving vehicles, this latency permits cars to warn each other of hazards. And the third characteristic of 5G was the capacity to do slicing. So what's that? I read a very precise article on the subject in Insider Pro. 5G is able to adapt to different needs. For example, take the Internet of Things, a network with a great number of connected devices. The bandwidth is not necessarily important because it doesn't transmit large amounts of data, but it requires a large network density. On the contrary, our mobile devices are fewer, but they need a lot of bandwidth to broadcast videos, for example. And finally, there are critical services for which bandwidth must be reserved, such as self-driving cars, when the latency time is non-negotiable. And all these uses take place at the same time. That's right. Slicing guarantees each network user the properties they need. If you want to understand these technical concepts in detail, you can read the glossary that Wired made about 5G. The link is in the description below. So the principal characteristic of 5G is that will permit a large variety of uses. Yes, the National Frequency Agency in France, ANFR, has made a diagram available which describes all the potential uses. There are some in media and entertainment, like in South Korea, which we mentioned at the start of the episode. But by increasing the density of the network, we can increase the overall number of connected devices and deploy them in places we haven't been able to use them before. That will be useful for smart cities, for instance, controlling energy expenditure or connecting different areas, but also for the future of industry. We will be able to do predictive maintenance, for example. There's also a lot of potential for critical sectors like transportation and medicine. Talking about medicine, there's been a lot of discussion about whether the intensification of radio waves could have an impact on human health. In other words, could it be carcinogenic? Is there a decent response to these fears? In the New York Times, I read an article that aims to dismantle these misconceptions. It underlines the fact that at first, frequencies allocated to 5G will be fairly average frequencies on the wave spectrum. Frequencies which are already being used for our current communications and also for television. These frequencies don't contain anything we need to worry about any more than we already do. The question is more significant when we talk about millimeter waves, which are due to be used in a few years. Their big advantage is that they will provide much faster flow, but only at a short distance. To exploit this bandwidth, we will need to set up more diffusion points, which always tends to increase fears. Do we already know the health impacts of millimeter waves? Well, they won't be used straight away. Not before 2026, in France at least. And not everybody is familiar with the science. When we talk about health dangers in terms of waves, we're really talking about their ionizing effect. Gamma and X-rays, for example, which are very high in the spectrum. Millimeter waves are fairly high in the spectrum, too, but they don't fall into the category of ionizing waves. If you want to see this spectrum and where the bands affected by 5G are located, I recommend that you have a look at the National Frequency Agency diagram. So, no danger to health. Nothing's been proved in any case. But in France, the government has commissioned ANSES, the National Agency for Health, Food, Environment and Work, to carry out an evaluation, which is due to be published in the first quarter of 2021. I've also read that the frequencies of waves used for 5G may interfere with things like emergency signals, especially those that allow us to alert populations in the event of a natural disaster? Yes, particularly in the United States, according to Numerama. In France, this mainly concerns millimeter waves, which will only be used later on, as we mentioned before. But the French regulating agency, ARCEP, is committed to ensuring that they don't clash with the satellite and radio astronomy services already using them. And in terms of timing, where is it all being rolled out? The GSMA, the Global System for Mobile Communications, published a global deployments map on its website. 
To date, only Australia, China, and South Korea have a fully deployed network, even if it is quite difficult to assess. In the United States, the four main service providers already offer 5G services in several cities. In Europe, Switzerland, Spain, Hungary, Italy, Austria, Germany, Finland, Slovenia, and Romania already have at least one supplier who has launched a 5G network. The European Commission set up a common calendar in 2016 and has also set up a 5G observatory, which delivers reports every quarter. And in France? In France, the candidates for frequency allocation declared themselves on February 25th, so the first 5G commercial services should be arriving this year. Operators will have to pay around 2.17 billion euros to be allocated the first frequencies. But it will take until 2030 for it to be fully deployed. You can find the entire calendar in the Numerama article. Thank you, Chloe, and thank you all for being with us for this episode on 5G. We'll be back in 15 days for a new series on The Memo, looking into cyber war. In the first episode, we're looking at the problems surrounding phishing. Until then, goodbye. You are listening to The Memo, an orange podcast.